I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we're going to be in chapter 2 and 3, a little bit in both chapters. Nehemiah chapters 2 and 3. And we're going to talk about this morning your role to play. Your role to play. And God's story for Startown First Baptist Church, you have a role to play. And honestly, it's probably more than just coming and sitting in a chair. That's, pretty, that's a pretty comfortable existence, really, uh, in a climate-controlled building with a very cushy purple chair. Makes us think a little bit of royalty, doesn't it? Uh, we get to sit and enjoy being with God's people, singing God's praises, and listening to God's message. But there is, a, there is an opportunity for us uh, in this story, the story of Startown First Baptist Church, for us to play a role. And, you know, sometimes we get the feeling like when the person who's responsible for the Christmas play comes up to you and they say to you, what you doing? What are you doing around the October, November, December of this year? Because we'd like for you to be in our Christmas play. Uh, you either do one of two things. You either are excited and you can't wait to find out what your role is or you're like, I'm not doing that. I've done that before. Didn't enjoy it then. Won't enjoy it this year. I'm not going to do that. Find somebody else. But there is a role for you to play. Every person in here, I don't care how young, how old you are, how uh, useless you may feel, or how important you think you are, everybody has a role to play. We're going to let God speak to us through the book of Nehemiah this morning to show us how important that is and, 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 and maybe give us some personal insight on what it is that I'm supposed to do, what it is that you're supposed to do. So we're, in, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah this morning. We're going to talk about him for just a minute, in just a minute. But I want us all to realize, and I don't think I have to tell you this, that we are all emerging or coming out of a unique and extended season of being in a pandemic. And just when it seems that things are done and we're going to be, you know, kind of, back to normal a little bit, up comes this variant that has really taken its toll here, hasn't it? It really has. You know, many of you know. Uh, I, I have a list of people who were sick, but I think there were more than we have on that list that were sick. And, and this is all over the place. This is not just here. So it's hitting again, and, and we're thinking, okay, what now? What's going to happen? You know, we just got to where we were kind of enjoying life again, and, and then all of this pops back up. What do we do? What do we do? Well, God is going to speak to us this morning, I think, and he's going to tell us what to do. He's not one to leave us hanging unless there's a, unless there's a lesson for us to learn in the hanging. But he has a purpose. Let me say that again. He has a purpose for everybody here. So let's look at Nehemiah. And if you've read the story, uh, if you've read Nehemiah, if you know who Nehemiah is, you know that he was the cupbearer for the prince of Persia, for the king of Persia, rather. And uh, he was 
he was part of the Jewish people. He was part of the Jewish people. And then he gets news that his own people, their sacred city of Jerusalem, is lying in ruins. And that's got to be devastating for him. And he knows that his people are in a bad way because their, their sacred city has been destroyed. And so he begins grieving this, and he begins to pray about this. And then he goes out on a limb, and he takes a risk, and he goes and talks to the king. And he tells the king his situation. He tells the king what's going on. He's basically asking the king for help. And the king does something really, really great here. He grants him time, and he grants him resources to take the journey to Israel to restore the city. So this is already, already uh, going to be a great story. You know, it's building up to be really, really good. And it gets, it gets even better, actually. So he gets to the city, and he makes an assessment of what's taking place. He looks around. He sees the destruction. He sees the rubble. He sees the devastation. And he is overwhelmed by what he sees because the city has been basically destroyed. Maybe his worst dreams come true. And so he goes through section after section of the city. He goes from gate to gate of the city. And then after he faces the reality of what needs to be done, he calls the people together. And this is what we read in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach or a disgrace. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build so they strengthened their hands for this good work. So what we have here is a defining moment in the history of, of God's people. A transforming moment for these people. Because these people had been through it. They had been through decades of exile. Decades. They had felt defeated. They had lived feeling defeated and even though they had been able to return to their holy city it was in ruins it was it was not what it was and so with these words let us start rebuilding they begin to overcome years of trauma and devastation in their own lives personally that they had gone through let's rebuild is what they said and that was the beginning of moving from the past to the future. And basically, it was a moment of recovery for the people. They were recovering their identity. They were recovering their lives. And they were recovering their purpose. And I feel so akin to them in the times that we're going through now. Because last year was one for the books. Let's close that chapter and let's move on. Amen? Let's move forward. That's what they wanted to do. And, you know, I think each of us, each of us here are really going through our own 
uh, recovery. And I mean that in a couple of different ways. I mean it physically, and I mean it spiritually as well. I mean, many of us have, have felt some trauma over this past year. Uh, many of us have lost loved ones. Many of us have experienced physically what this disease can do and how it can affect you, not just when you have it, but weeks and months afterwards. Uh, we've, we've experienced having to not be able to go to school and, hall and, and church and go to our jobs and things like that. And it's, it's hard for us to just even, I don't know, during all of that, it was hard to even think of moving forward. We just felt stuck. I just felt stuck. Didn't you? Stuck. You know, what do we do? And what's going to happen next? And not to mention that there was this strange kind of exhaustion that, that we, fe we felt. Uh, I don't know if, if this describes you or not, but I was exhausted, I guess, in a way that I never had been before. And I think it was more than just a physical thing. I think it was a spiritual thing as well. And so we had this year where everything was different. And even though it seemed like there would be less required of us because we weren't going to be able to go to church, we weren't going to be able to go to our jobs, we weren't going to be able to go to school, even though it seemed like less was going to be required of it, did it just not feel like it was actually more was required of us? That's how I felt, and that's how I still feel as I look back. And then to think about the isolation of being separated uh, and divided, our families, a lot of families being divided, friends not being able to spend time together, and believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, not being able to be together. And that is a toll. It takes its toll on a person, and that's hard to get over. So maybe going forward does not mean going back to what was but maybe moving forward means realizing some things and and starting something new uh, not just the same old thing not just the way things used to be and so we look at the rubble of these past year this past year and a half and we realize that is not where we want to stay so we've got to start building on something we've got to start building like we see in the story that we're going to re finish reading here in just a few minutes in Nehemiah. So we look at the rubble of the things that we've lost over these past couple of years, and looking at that, let that be a part of our recovering the call that God has on our lives as individuals and as a church for a new season in our lives. What does it look like to be a member of Startown First Baptist Church in this day and time what does it look like for me to be a follower of christ in the world today so something very powerful happens when god's people unite and they say together hey let's start building hey let's start moving forward let's not look back so much as look forward to what god has for us or god wants god wants us to do and so the question becomes, okay, we're wanting to move forward. How? How do we do that? And that's what these people had to ask themselves. How are we going to do this? How are we going to engage in something that, has, that is so devastated and so messed up and so different from what it used to be? And the answer for them came in chapter 3. So I want you to go to chapter 3. 
It's a pretty good long chapter. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read some verses at the beginning and towards the end to get an idea of what happened. And I think you know, if you've ever read the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of, of the wall and the city, you're going you're gonna to know what happens. But basically, chapter 3 is a work report. It is a report of the work that took place to rebuild. But there's something powerful in the story that's being told here. So let's look at that, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 3. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Meah, they sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zachar, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassaniah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the sons of Urijah, the son of Koz, and next unto them repaired Meshillam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Baana. And next unto them the Tekelites, excuse me, Tekelites repaired. But their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshullam, the son of Basodiah. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the, and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Okay, I want us to move forward and let's go to verse number 28. <clears throat> as you do, you'll see, as you, as, you, as you scan those verses, we're seeing who did what. And besides them, and next to them, and besides them, and then we get to verse 28. From above the horse gate, repaired the priest, every one over his house. After them repaired Zadok, the son of Emmer, over against his house. After him repaired also Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. After him repaired Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zalaph, another, another piece. After him repaired Meshullam, the son of Berechiah, over against his chamber. After him repaired Malchiah, the goldsmith's son, unto the place of the Nethanims and of the merchants over against the gate of Mifkad and to the going up of the corner. And between the going up of the corner unto the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. Okay. <laughs> Take a breath. I should, have let some, I should have let one of the deacons read that. What do you think? Phew. Okay. So what we see here is, like I said, it's a, it's a work report, isn't it? And we've got this long list of names and the long list of names that are hard to pronounce. And it all seems very redundant and, and very repetitive. Uh, but it's declaring something very powerful, very powerful for us to see. And what it is, it's describing how they restored their life as God's people. It's des describing how they restored their life as God's people by having everyone play a part. Everyone played a part. E you know, even the daughters and the sons and the priests and the goldsmiths, they all played a part. And that's important for us to see 
Because Nehemiah knew that he didn't just need to record what was going on, but how it happened and who did it. And that's important for us to know. And he's telling us how they took care of this great restoration by honoring God and by honoring the people that did the work. And I believe, church, that for us in that story, there is a timely call for us because, you know, as we face the rubble of this past couple of years and as we look at it, how it affected us individually and as we look at how it affected us as a community of believers, we hopefully come to the point where we realize that we exist as a group of people that are united. We are together and we are united in God's new covenant in Jesus Christ. That's what unites us, what Christ has done on the cross, what Christ has done in our lives. That's what unites us. And what we are able to do as a result of that is to declare and demonstrate the kingdom of God and that it is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Never before in our history has it seemed more obvious and more evident that the day of his return is at hand. And so we need to be united in our efforts to make sure that that is being proclaimed and that that is being shared and that the world hears that message. And in moving forward as a church, we can build, you and I can build the work of God together. And we're going to do that in three ways that I think this scripture tells us. And the first way is this. We will be able to build the work of God, which is making sure that people know who Jesus is. We can do that when we are united in our purpose. When we are united in our purpose. If we pull each person individually and we ask each person, what do you think the church's role in society is today? What do you think the church should be doing in Startown First Bad in Startown's community? What should we be doing? We're going to get a bunch of different responses to that. But we need to look at what God says our responsibility is. And we need to be united in understanding that and working towards that goal. Um, these people, they, they lived in amidst a common problem. They were living in a city that had been destroyed. They were living in walls that had been destroyed. And not only did they have this sadness to deal with, Certainly, in each household, there were inner sadnesses, personal situations that, that were taking place that also had them feeling defeated. Have you ever, okay, I, this is how I will like, this is what I will liken this to. Let's just imagine, how do you feel, okay, your house, we've got a lot of homeowners in here, you probably got a lot of work that needs to be done to your house. Uh, maybe you need a new roof, maybe you need some new floors. Maybe you need a new paint job. Maybe you need all of that. And, and so a, apart from all of that, you've got your life that you're living and you're going through difficulties and, and troubles in your own life. But then one day somebody comes and they said, hey, I'm going to fix your house. We're going to put down new floors, paint the walls, fix the roof. We're going to do it all. And they get that done and your house looks great. Do you feel a little better about things? I mean, even though you've got some problems, you're like, hey, my life may not be all that great right now, but my house be looking good. You know, you know what I'm saying? 
But if you're feeling down and your house is a mess, you understand? And you know it needs work and it's got to be done. You feel even more defeated. And that's how these people were. I mean, this was their holy city. This is the place where God resided. And they were devastated by what had happened. They, they were stuck, basically. And so Nehemiah is calling them out, and he's trying to unite them and their purpose, unite them together. See, he knew, Nehemiah knew that these psalms that we've been studying on Wednesday night, these songs that they sang for joy had been silenced because of everything that had happened. And so he united them for the purpose of restoring that and restoring the glory. And not just, not just to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the gates, but he united them in the purpose of the work. And what is the purpose of any work that we do for the Lord? It's to bring glory to God. And that's why he was uniting them. We think it was to rebuild the city, but he was, he was uniting them for a, greater, for a greater purpose. And so they weren't just working on walls. What they were actually doing is they were worshiping God. It was a way for them to worship. And building the work of God they were worshiping God, and they were taking care of things. Again, Jerusalem was understood to be the place where God dwelt. It was the earthly counterpart. Jerusalem was the earthly counterpart to the heavenly city of God. And the prophets, the Old Testament prophets had spoken about how the temple would be destroyed, but that something greater would come in the future. And the something greater that was coming had come, who, who was the greater one that was coming? Jesus, yes. Very good. Probably from the youngest, youngest person in here. Jesus is that greater thing that's coming. And when he came, he declared that in him they would see the temple destroyed, but three days later it would be rebuilt. And so on the cross, he, he, he died on the cross and he was basically torn down. That was the temple being torn down. But then three days later, through the resurrection, he was raised back up. And he became the true temple. He became the true meeting place between God and man because that is how we know God through Jesus Christ. And so he became the true temple. And Peter explains this to us and how we are now the embodiment of that temple when he said that you are living stones that God is building into spiritual into his, his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So we have a responsibility, we have a purpose, and we have something to build. And even though we as a church will, will mirror what is going on in the world, because what happens in the world, it, it affects us in here, in these walls. Whatever diseases or trouble or famine or destruction is taking place out there will affect us in here. It's mirrored in here. But... We can transcend anything that happens out there because we have the light of Jesus Christ inside of us. 
and we are able to transcend anything. We are able to transcend the debate on whether or not to get the vaccine. We are able to transcend the debate on whether or not to be a Democratic, a Democrat or a Republican. We, we can transcend that, and we have that in common. We have that light in us, and we must not allow anything of this world to cause division among God's people. And so that's what Nehemiah was trying to do. He was uniting the people to do something wonderful and to do something great. And that's what God wants to do with Startown First Baptist Church. Be united because I have a purpose for you. You have been created. You were put on this earth for such a time as this for, for good works that I have already worked out in ahead for you to do. And yet we, we still allow the rubble of all that happens out there to affect us sometimes and cause us to think, well, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to give. Well, you do. And I do. And we all do. Individually and as a church, united together. They, they became centered and united to, to the call of God on their lives to rebuild this city and we need to do the same we need to unite we need to come together to to realize that we have christ living in us and with christ all things are possible and that means all things are possible inside of this building and all things are possible outside of this building as well so you know are we ready to build are we ready to to move forward from all that we've experienced in these past couple years we need to be united. We need to be united in the way that he sees people and the way that he loves people. We need to see people and we need to love people the same way. We need to be united and not allow anything, any other identity that tries to define us and tries to divide us to, to be successful. We need to be united. I love you. I love you if you have gotten the vaccine. I love you if you have not gotten the vaccine. I love you if you have to wear a mask wherever you go. I love you if you've never worn a mask. I love you if you will shake my hand. I love you if you will not shake my hand. I love you if you are a Democrat I love you if you are a Republican. I love you if you are black. I love you if you are white. I love you if you are gay. I love you if you are straight. I love you if you don't know what gender you are. But I'm praying that you will see the truth of God's word and realize that male and female created he them. I want God's best for you. I don't want you to listen to the lies that the world will create because they want to create something that they think is better than what God has created. They will forever fail because nobody does it better than He does. There's nothing better than you. You sang it. We sang it in agreement. We were united in that earlier. So we must be united in our efforts to see and love people the way that he does, and not to allow the things that would divide us to divide us. 
but we must be united. That's how we can do the work of God. But also, we can build the work of God when we understand that every person plays a part. Every person has a role to play. And that's what we see in the scripture that we read this morning. He saw, Nehemiah saw, that there was a lot of work that had to be done. He saw, hey, let's section it off. We got different people to do different things. This can happen. We can work through this. We can do this if we're united in our efforts and we realize that we all have a role to play in this. And so that's the beauty of being united for a single purpose because everybody is a part of that. And everybody has something that they can they can do. Remember how when we were reading that and I told you to take notice of all the other verses that you looked at as we were getting ready to read at the end of the chapter. And he kept using phrases like next to him and next to them and after him and after them. And it was declaring that everyone was working and they were working side by side together and they were united because nobody can do everything. But you know the rest of this, right? But everyone can do something. No one can do everything. But everybody can do something. And that's not, that's not a refrigerator magnet motto that I came up with when I, or I saw when I walked down Walmart's aisle one day. No, this is scriptural. This We're told in the book of Romans, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. And in 1 Peter, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. So who has something to contribute? Everybody has something to contribute. Who is significant? Everybody. Everybody is significant. God's plan for us is even described in 1 Corinthians uh, when he talks about those who embody Christ and the kingdom of God. He talks about how uh, you know, the eye is put in the body to see and the ears are put in the body to hear and, and the hands can't do what the eyes can do and the ears can't do what the feet can do and Viola may not be able to do what Peggy can do uh, and Donna might be able to do something different than what Elaine can do. And so why don't Elaine and Viola and Donna and Peggy uh, use all the things that they can do together to, to build the work of God. Well, who's more important? Everybody's important. But if you want to know who's important, Jesus is important. He's the one. He's the one to be lifted up. The rest of us are just privileged to be able to be a part of the family and to be loved and cherished and have the opportunity to use what God has given us to bring glory to Him. Everybody is important. Everybody is is significant you see in the verses if you read the whole chapter that you've got people who were very high in social standing working with common laborers working together being together where normally they wouldn't have been together these social classes were almost non-existent because you had some of the some of the higher ups so to speak working with some of the the ne'er-do-wells if you want to call them that but we don't want to do that because, again, everybody is significant here. But we see in, in verse 1, we see the priests, and they were the most educated usually, and they were building the gate. 
and you got goldsmiths working and you got perfume makers working you got merchants laying bricks and gatekeepers who were acting like police and the daughters working with their fathers and everybody getting stuff done everybody has something to do um working side by side and you know what we see that here don't we we got all kinds of different people uh working together uh we've got let me just i tried to make a list here we got teachers accountants office managers administrative assistants customer service representatives salesmen saleswomen food service professionals artists homemakers mail carriers nurses mechanics factory workers students and we can all work together and accomplish something great amen and each one of us has something to contribute and that's the importance of one of the important things that we see in this story in Nehemiah. So what God is doing is he invited, he's inviting us to join in our common ground, transcend, rise above the differences that we have. And our common ground is Jesus and build on that and do something amazing. All things are possible. But we got we to gotta make note of this because I don't know if you caught this or not. There was an exception to all of this. And that's found in verse number 5 when we see that the nobles wouldn't put their shoulders to the work under the supervisors. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't bend their pride. They didn't want to serve under the authority that God had established. They didn't want to do it. And we see that sometimes. They, they didn't want to follow uh, the, the authority that God had put in place. But you also see that the, the people underneath the nobles would not follow the pride of their leaders. They went ahead and did the work as well. And they were united in their efforts. So what we see there is the significance of the heart. This captures the power of the heart to serve. Your heart, the new heart that God has given you, is a heart that wants to serve. You want to serve God and you can and there are opportunities and ways available that you can you know every year we get together as a nominating committee and we try to put people in positions and you know I know that I, I really believe we have a, a a stellar nominating committee we got good people working together but I guarantee you that sometimes we've missed asking a person who had who would have been great in a particular position and and you know thank god we've got people who are willing to do and and we got people that'll say things like i don't know if i can do this or not but i'm willing to try and i'm thankful for that and we've also got people who will say you know i have prayed about that and i just you know i believe god would rather me serve in this area instead of that area i appreciate that as well what is a little bit harder to swallow and i'm just going to be very honest with you this morning is i don't want to do that i don't want to do that either no i don't want to do that either well well what way would you like to serve um i don't know i'll, I'll let you know and you never hear from them again and what's really sad about that is not the fact that somebody turned me down and I asked them to do something, is the blessing that the person is going to miss out on 
and being obedient to God and serving, even in an area where you don't feel qualified. Every great leader in the Bible who did amazing things for God and God worked through them began by saying, not me, I can't do this. But everyone is significant. Everyone. And what we see in this little example of people who didn't want to, but the people underneath them said that they would, we see that what they did flowed from their heart. They, they had a heart that wanted to serve. So you've got one little group that's bound by their pride, and the others found it a privilege to do the work, and the difference was in their heart. And that brings us to our final truth, and we'll finish with this. We can build the work of God when our focus, when our true focus is serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. I don't want you to do something because the, the chairman of the nominating committee asked you to do it. And you, you feel it's your duty and your cross to bear. But we do what we do because we want to serve the Lord. In the very first verse, we read of them uh, dedicating the work that they were doing to the Lord. And what that shows us is that the work then became worship. And that changed everything. So when you want to serve the Lord and use what He has given you, then that is worship, people. We think worship sometimes is a song or a hymn or a prayer. But working to serve God and be obedient to God, that is worship as well. The purpose of all ministry should really be to glorify God. It, we're told in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you're going to eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. And what that tells us is that everything that we do, everything that we do, can be a part of something that has sacred worth everything that we do when we are when we're carpooling together uh, and we're telling people in the car what we talked about at church on sunday when a person at work a friend at work has a problem and we're sharing a bible verse with them we're just listening to them and and t letting them tell us what their troubles are uh when you are i don't know when you're brushing your teeth and you're brushing your teeth to the rhythm of God is good all the time. You know, for the glory of God, brush your teeth. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Isn't that what we say? Well, I'm going to tell you what, and I'm, I'm getting real close to finishing. You know, everything we do can be something of worth to bring glory to God. If you're teaching a class or if you're working in the sound room, that means that you're honoring the Word of God. That means that you're honoring the worship of God. If you're holding a baby in the nursery, that means that you are embodying the hands of God. If you're welcoming people as they come into the building, you're extending the hospitality of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So here's what we do today as we leave consider each person consider what role we can play what role can i play what role can you play 
and moving on from here. What can we do? We can be united. We can realize that we all have a part to play. And whatever we do, we can do it for the glory of God, to serve God. And I want you to realize, too, how personal this is. Because it becomes very personal in Scripture when names are, are put down on paper. And I don't know how many names, but there were a lot of names. It's a very personal thing, wasn't it? Very personal. It tells us also how personal our legacy is. You know, consider all those names that uh, we read and I tried to read earlier. And consider these names. I just, in no particular order, God just gave me a name and I wrote it down. Uh, Karen, Jane, Jeff, Cherry, Sam, JJ, David, Emily. God knows your name. He knows your name. He has a purpose for you in this church. So let's be united. Let's realize we all have something to offer. And let's use it for the glory of God. Bow your heads.